Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory. Great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. And not only that, an outstanding uh, service department, whether it happens to be inspections, routine, difficult diagnostics, they can take care of it all. It's one-stop vehicle shopping. At the best in the business, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, almost wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day. Pickett midcourt circle down to 16. Pickett to the far wing. Dread. Dread steps back. Waits. Fires the three. It's good. Ties the game at 78. 9.1 to go. Miles Dread. It's good. Good night. The master of the big shot. Iowa. Yes, indeed. He got him to OT and he won it with free throws. 90 to 86. Dick, Iowa is gone. It's the only way we can do it. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that was a great win for them last night. We said it was a line in the sand game for them. That if you wanted to really have a season that you walk out and say, okay, look what we accomplished, kind of felt that that had to be one that they could get to then set up what happens in February. All right. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. And uh, I'm always used to introducing guests. The mystery guest thing, I'm still getting used to here, Matt. So, <laughs> Well, right. he's here with us now. Okay. Right. Hi, this is Tim Kirkjian with ESPN. Oh, my goodness. Steve, a happy 10 years on the air. Good for you. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, for this, yeah. 40 years for basketball, 30 for football, and I'm fortunate to do this for 10. How have you been? Um, I've been okay. I'd be better if we're gonna if we start spring training in a couple of weeks, but that looks pretty unlikely at this point. So, uh, therefore, I'm not doing very well. Yeah, and I understand that. Believe me, I mean it's because last year with with COVID and Big Ten football, they originally said that they were not going to play. Then it was going to be an abbreviated season. So I know what it's like to sit there in limbo wondering what's going to happen. So I'm, 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 you and I have walked in the same shoes maybe in a different way, but we have. Yeah, well, the difference, though, is COVID prevented us from playing. And this right. time, we're not quite sure what is preventing us from playing. Uh, we all know this is all about money, and that's part of the problem. You know, they're, they're not close on the minimum salary with a luxury tax. Uh, there are debates about how we're going to handle, you know, competitive balance, how you keep teams from, you know, rebuilding so often and so, you know, violently in its own way, you know, going down to a payroll that's lower than, say, Max Scherzer's making by himself. 
I mean, these, these are all the issues that have to be done. And I thought they, I thought February 1st, we better have an agreement. And we're not even close, and it's February the 1st. So we have to hope now that uh, we can really make some movement here in the next two weeks and get spring training started on time. But at this point, from the people that I've talked to, that, that's unlikely. How difficult is it for you to cover this aspect of it? Because you have such a passion for the game and the stories and the players. And how difficult, though, is it for you emotionally to cover this part of it? Because it's not the fun part. Yeah, it's certainly not the fun part. And, um, you know, I'd much rather talk to a left fielder than a lawyer. And that's what you have to do now when you cover labor. Um, but I covered the 81 strike. Of course, I covered 94, 95, so I'm kind of used to this. But you, you never get used to not playing. And I just hope everyone on both sides recognizes how much damage could be done if part of spring training doesn't happen, if somehow we don't play 162 games this year. And that's a really dangerous situation. And I'm, I'm just hoping that everyone recognizes how much money can be lost if you don't play. And let's face it with football, which I don't even understand football, but I like to watch it. Uh, we just saw six great playoff games the last two weeks. And that's what people care about is the playing of the game. And I hope baseball truly, truly recognizes that. And right now, I'm a little worried. I, have to, I want to ask you about the Hall of Fame since I've got you here. Uh, the Hall of Fame is going to be graced with Gil Hodges, Mitty Minoso, Buck O'Neill, among others, and, the one, and, of course, the one that was recently elected, David Ortiz. What did your ballot look like? Well, I voted for nine guys. I almost always vote for 10, but this year I voted for nine. I voted for David Ortiz, and I voted for Alex Rodriguez, and um, I'm not Alex Rodriguez, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, and I didn't vote for Alex Rodriguez or Manny Ramirez. So there were five guys with a connection to steroids and or PEDs in some way, and it was just it's just really difficult these days to separate how you vote for these guys. So I voted for David Ortiz because I just don't think his PED violations are nearly as clear as some other guys. And then when you look at his record, you know, 10 All-Star games, three World Series championships, 541 homers, 931 OPS, seven guys in history have both of those numbers. And, uh, you know, his World Series play, especially postseason, has been unbelievable. It's 688 in the 2013 World Series when the rest of the Red Sox hit under 200. <laughs> and, um, you know, when you look at the all-time players on the Red Sox, Ted Williams is number one, and then you probably have to choose between David Ortiz and Carly Strepsky for number two. That's yeah. what kind of career David Ortiz had. Absolutely. So who were the others that you did vote for that obviously didn't make it, but I just want to see what kind of traction they got. Right. Well, I voted for those three, so Bonds, Clemens, and uh, Ortiz. I voted for yeah. Schilling and Sheffield. I voted okay. for Roland and uh, Helton, and I voted for Jeff Kent and Billy Wagner. I and of all, all those, those guys, um, Scott Roland is now at 63%. History tells us 
unless you have a lot of PED baggage, which of course he has none, you get to 63%, especially with four years left on the ballot, you've got a real chance to make it. So I'm not sure Roland will make it next year, but I think eventually the writers will vote him in maybe two years from now. I agree with all those. I mean that's a that's a that's a rock solid ballot. You know, the, the ones that didn't make it, that's a rock solid ballot. Um, when you sit down to to vote, and you only, you voted for nine, not ten, as you said. What's what's your personal criteria? Well, the numbers are first, obviously. The mm-hmm. era in which you played is important. The durability, all that, and the character clause plays in it, and. It's really difficult now with, with the PED situation. And yeah. it just seems to me that Bonds and Clemens played in an era where there was this tacit agreement in Major League Baseball that you know, all, no one was checking, no one was testing, all sorts of players were doing it. And, you know, players were encouraged to do it in certain cases. Does that condone it? Does that make it right? No. But does that factor into the way that I look at things? Yes, it does, Uh, as opposed to 2005 on when they are testing and you are getting punished and they are checking. uh, I think those guys are in a different category than, say, Bonds and Clements. A lot of people disagree with me. I totally understand that. I'm just not sure there are any real right answers anymore when it comes to the PED questions because it's all so confusing. Tim, I want, you just referenced the NFL postseason where every game was going down to the to the wire. Baseball went with the standard playoff look this past year because they didn't reach an agreement with the Players Association. I saw one proposal that had the owners at 14 and the players at 12. Now, I don't know how accurate that is, but it's something I read. Uh, how do you feel about expanded postseason just as a general principle? Well, I was all for it two years ago when we had a 60-game season and COVID dominated baseball, sadly. But I don't think we need expanded playoffs. And again, I'm way in the minority on this. I understand Mm -hmm. the money to be made. I understand more teams in the playoffs, more interest. I get it. But let's not forget, on the final day of the 2021 season, with only 10 playoff teams in there. It was an amazing final day of the season, and you're probably just not going to get that again if you have all those teams making the playoffs, meaning if Toronto and Seattle and all the teams that just missed out would have all made it. I think the drama of that final day would have gone away, and I think you better be careful what you wish for. But I, I think we'll go to 12. I don't think we'll go to 14. Can I live with 12? Of course I can. But I think keeping it at 10 is a good place because I think the integrity of a, of a 162-game season is really important. And winning your division um, is really important, and I don't think we should lose that. Yeah, I'll never forget uh, the Red Sox. Faltering down the stretch, Tampa Bay getting in an Orioles Yankees deal at the end, where they did the same thing because it was limited. Man, you know, that made a dramatic last day. And I think Terry Francona ended up losing his job out of it. Yeah, I was there in Baltimore that night, and I believe that was the greatest single season day night in the history of regular season baseball. 
um, ever. And it was because just what you said, it, you lose and you go home. And if, you know, if the, you know, if the Yankees, if all those teams, the Red Sox were in, whether they won that game or not, I'm just not sure it means the same thing. To repeat, if you're going to play 162 games, you really have to make it worth it. And you have to make the winner get a few um, advantages for winning in 162 games. You're not going to get the same advantages if there are, say, 14 playoff teams. I think after 162, you sort of proved where you belong. Yes, I think. Sparky Anderson always used to say, "That's why we play 162 because there are no excuses at the end. The season is so long, you can't ever say, hey, we ran out of time.' No, 162 games is a great barometer, and I'd like to see him play 162 this year and just." I'd like to see 10 playoff teams, no more. But my guess is we'll have 12. I just hope we play as quickly right. as possible. I'm with you all the way. And, Tim, I thank you so much for the valuable time you gave us today. It's awfully nice of you to be a part of this. Well, thank you, Steve. I know your career is way longer than 10 years, way longer. But I was told that just we're celebrating 10 years today. So congratulations on that, okay? Thank you, Tim. Appreciate you. Okay, see you. Tim Kirchin, ESPN. Great to have him on the show today. We're out of mystery guests for today. Correct. Okay. We have Neil coming up who's not a mystery. <laughs> He's never a mystery. Right. What name the last team Tom Brady beat? Oh, I'm sorry, that's that is it's kinda like Kind of like a boil, isn't it? No, senor! No, senor! No, senor! In fact, he called the game on Spanish radio. Yeah, he did. <laughs> He's a great Ricky's a great announcer. He I really love Ricky. Is. Yeah, I mean, really, I, you know, tremendous. Thanks to Tim for being on Micah Sicky as well. So, all right, uh, Neil Kulong in the next half hour. Uh, great to have you with us today. So far, it's been a suit-free zone this week. I was hoping for assurances it would stay that way. I'm just going to keep you on your toes until we're done with the week. Well, I'm going to keep you on your toes because I have to leave early on Friday. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I can't help him. What do you want to do? Hold the plane? <laughs> it's not that early. I got to leave by four thirty on Friday. Okay. All right. Just so you know, for your planning purposes. All right. But, but I mean, the plane's leaving at five thirty. I sort of can't go to five and like look around and go, okay. Right. And <laughs> because you got to remember, there's a standard rule: the police escort's always in front of the car, not in back. All right. <laughs> For what I have planned, we're good to go. All right, good. Great to have you with us. Uh, what he's got planned. I feel like I'm dealing with the mad scientist here. Uh, <laughs> great to have you with us today. Uh, thanks to Mike and to Tim for being on, and uh, yesterday to Matt and to Pat Fryermuth for being on. So great to have you with us today on the, uh, News Radio 1070, WKOK, Home of the Soup. What's different about it is just, you know, what you learn um, and the learning curve. Just from, you know, coming from experience of being able to get out there and play 
and you know it's it's a lot of you know trial by fire type type of thing because like you know you you can talk about it and everything but until you're out there and you you know actually in in between a crossfire and everything you really don't get to experience it all so you know just definitely being out there is mentally fast and um you know just the many life lessons you know that you uh that you learn from the different guys coaches and just you know being out there thanks to mike kosicki and tim kirkchin for being on the show today neil kulong next half hour by the way i saw the uh the uh, announcer lineup for the Olympics. Are you even going to watch? Oh yeah, I'm going to watch as much as I can. I'm going to watch Thursday night. I don't. I I think there's a good chance I'm not going to see much of it. I may watch a little bit, but it, and it's not up for any other reason other than I've got eight games in 23 days, and you know and that includes travel days, things like that. You know, so in other words, I'm 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 flying Friday night. I got a game Saturday night, um, and maybe I'll watch some on Sunday. You know. You know, Monday, of course, we go to work, and then Tuesday night I got a game at nine. All right, then I got to fly the Friday after that. And then I got you know I got a game Saturday night at Minnesota. Got to fly back, and then I've got games on Tuesday, Thursday at home here that week, and then uh, then when the closing ceremonies come out, I got I'm back on the road again. So I just don't have I don't have that kind of time. Um. As you can tell, it's just not just it's more of a time factor for me than anything else. Uh Mike Tarico, Maria Taylor, Rebecca Lowe, let's see. Tarico, primetime, Taylor, uh late night, and Rebecca Lowe, daytime coverage. Craig Melvin will host the Today Show from Beijing. Uh Dan Hicks. We'll have uh, all the skiing, Lee Diffie, bobsled, luge, uh, skeleton. You know, they've got a list of analysts here, too. I guess more of, I, it looks like Lindsey Vaughn's more of a roaming reporter. They're, most of these are going to be in Connecticut anyway. Ted Ligeti's an analyst for Alpine Skiing. Uh, biathlon, Bill Dolman, Lee Diffie, I already mentioned, Aaron Hamlin, luge analyst, John Morgan, bobsled, he's very good, by the way. Uh, Lewis Johnson, rock-solid reporter. Uh, Jason Knapp on curling. Terry Gannon, Tara Lipinski, Johnny Weir on figure skating. Andrea Joyce, by the way, will all, and also Tanith White, and Andrea Joyce is the reporter. So there's some of the announcers that they have for NBC, and they, you know, and let's see, freestyle skiing, Shane Bacon, Todd Harris, Trace Worthington, and hockey. You got it, you name it. I mean, all the hockey guys are all going to be in Connecticut, you know, so they're, they're going to have NHL seasons going on. So I mean, they'll just be in and out. So Kenny Albert, Brendan Burke, John Walton, Chris Vosters, uh, the analysts like Brian Boucher, Anson Carter, Keith Jones. Monique Lamoureux, Mirando, Eddie Olchek, 
Ted Robinson on short track. Ski jumping Paul Burmeister and speed skating Bill Spaulding. Most of these, most, not all, but most are going to be working out of Stanford, Connecticut in the NBC studios. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 11 and 15, Ummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotorskia.com. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Yeah, we should pay tribute to Doug. I mean, because you think about Doug sitting there on a Saturday afternoon and beautiful fall day and Yeah. think about what Doug goes through. <laughs> like, you know, we ought to do a session with Doug and the Chief. That would be interesting radio. Right. With assurances that neither can be fired. <laughs> we'll, give, we'll do it like the way the Houston Astros were interviewed about the, about the trash cans. <laughs> In this case, I think we can make it happen. <laughs> I can't believe it. I'm being torched. <laughs> I carry those two. <laughs> They're the greatest hits of their career. By the way, the uh, comment we had earlier was Donovan Smith after his big contract. He protected uh, Tom Brady the last two years. Um. It's a joyous day in the Catrillo household now that Tom Brady is out. There is a, a <laughs> hatred for Tom Brady. Was it the part where Lisa said, gee, he's kind of cute? <laughs> is that the part that kind of drove you a little? <laughs> oh, no. she she actually, She's not a big Brady person either. Oh, really? No. Is anybody you know a big Brady person? Um. Yes, oh. I do have. I do have a cousin who was a Giants fan, actually. <laughs> who uh, well, my brother, likes Tom my brother, Brady a lot. My brother's big Brady guy. That's true. He is. Yeah. So. Me, I've always been able to look at him as a football player. I mean, this is <laughs> fans have opinions, as we all know. Some are really good and spot on, and some are okay. <laughs> Interesting. Um, Tom Brady is at Michigan, and you—this uh, is one that you have to be back in the era to understand. They had a quarterback named Drew Henson. Henson was, I think Henson was, you know, I, I, don't think, I don't know if they had star ratings back then, but he would have been a five-star of five stars. Right. You know, big kid, big arm, could move, the whole deal. 
And you got to play Hanson. You got to play Hanson. You got to play Hanson. And Lloyd Carr, even in games where Hanson started, would bring Tom Brady off the bench. And then finally, he started starting Tom Brady. And the the fans were like, and and fan and some members of the media, how can you not play Hanson? Why are you playing the fans? Why are you playing Brady? You look at Hanson. Look at him. Today, Brady goes to the Michigan kid. Hey, Brady, we loved you the whole time. You're the greatest. You're the goat. <laughs> when he was playing for you, you wanted the other guy. <laughs> Henson ended up playing with the Dallas Cowboys briefly. Also was in the Yankees organization. But when they were there together, the fans at a segment of the media wanted Henson. Because remember, they're in the Big Ten, so they're going to play Penn State. And Brady did start a game at Beaver Stadium. He was down 10 with six minutes to play, rallied them for two touchdowns, and they won. So. <laughs> but that's a, well, You're the GOAT! Like, I'm thinking, like, excuse me, in 1999, you wanted the other guy. <laughs> now, now you just you can't get close enough to him. <laughs> Typical Michigan. <laughs> See, again, it's to Pego, really? Jim Harbaugh, one quick note. I know we're going to go to Neil. Jim Harbaugh is going to interview with the Vikings tomorrow. Think about that. What's tomorrow? Groundhog Day. Oh, jeez. I, I just can't. <laughs> Ten years of trying to do a sports show. Oh, tomorrow's letter of intent day. Oh, yes. Yeah, that, that is bad oh, timing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 uh, I just got to go and pale myself in a sword. All right. Uh, time to talk about the goat with the goat. Neil Coolong, sir, welcome. Yes, I, I absolutely fit that characteristic. I, I do know that it's a sad day for me because I, I believe now the last guy who's older than me has retired from the NFL. So this is really kind of my uh, my death, the, the death of my clinging hope mm. to that the youthful days of my NFL fandom are, are now gone. Yeah. Yeah. And in a way, too, it's nice because I don't have to be tormented by Tom Brady anymore. So it's that's a long time coming. That guy, he, uh, he he's, he's what two years older than I am, and he entered. Um, his rookie season, his second season um, against the Steelers. And, well, he got knocked out of the game, but he started the game yeah. and started the Super Bowl. But the, that that win over the Steelers in uh, 2001 playoffs, the so January of, of 20, uh, 2002, I, I won't forget that game forever. I didn't think there was a way in the world the Steelers were going to lose that. That was a, That was a dark day. Well, um, let's see. The date that somebody was, for me, was in the 60s, 68. I'm like, no. So, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, all right. So, from that point, let's uh, let's move forward because uh, this will be the first time for the league since 1998 they have not had either Man- a Manning or a Brady in the league. Um which is interesting. Now, we'll see what Arch Manning does <laughs> once he gets to college <laughs> in his pro career, but for a period of time, there won't be any from what I've seen. Yeah. Um, so I have to ask you, as a North Dakota State grad, 
I really have never seen Trey Lance play. And the handwriting appears to be on the wall about Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, if that is the case, I, I've never seen Trey Lance play. What kind of player is he? Because, I mean, this is your school. Lance, um, even even at NDSU, it's not like we got a whole lot of look at him. Um, the the really rare, if not only, uh, FCS quarterback to enter the NFL early without having played a whole lot. Uh, there are not many. There are not many guys who have, who have gone on the career path that Trey Lance has. For a guy that was not recruited to play quarterback at the FC at, at the FDS level, um, to to play a season at FCS and be the third overall pick in the draft uh, is pretty remarkable. But what you see from him is he, he's a plus athlete. He's a big guy. He's got a great arm. Um, mechanically, there were things that he needed to work on for sure. And you knew that going into it, but the tools that he has that you could see, um, it, it was pretty obvious kind of early into his career that it was just a matter of whether or not teams would be okay with the level of experience that he'd have entering that next year's draft. That was the only question. Um, it, as far as him being a prospect, he was right there with anybody else. He had everything else. And he, he's an A-plus character kid. You know, that his teammates loved him. His coaches loved him. He took to all of this very well. And he could have been much more sullen about it. He could have been much more bitter of the fact that even, it, you know, the, the local – University of Minnesota didn't recruit him as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. He, he could have had that sort of chip on his shoulder, but he never did. He, he's very upbeat. He's very positive. Uh, as far as him as a player, you're getting you know the, the body of a quarterback. You're getting the arm of, of a higher-end NFL quarterback, and he's got the mobility to, to boot. Um, I, I hate making comparisons. It, it, it's one, I'm probably not very good at it. Two, it, it, um, you're suggesting that you have an expert's understanding of everybody that you might consider for this. But to me, when I saw him play, what I saw was Steve McNair. Okay. Big guy. It, it's not that straight line speed is one thing. He's mobile. He's elusive. But what you see in him when he runs is power. Very strong. And on top of that, he's got a great arm. He's the type of, of kind of throwback old school football players quarterback he's not going to be running sprint draws and things like that he's going to truck guys which i I really thought shanahan would use him uh more like he did earlier in the year you know some goal line specialty types of things i mean he he did pretty well with that as far as as him as a thrower uh we'll see i i thought um at at the fcs level he ripped it up pretty good i know that he didn't throw an interception until that one game that he played really just to bolster his draft stock, uh, he wasn't really challenged in that way. There were a lot of balls that I saw that probably would have been picked off against better competition, mm-hmm. and that's a part of playing at the level that he's at. That's sure. not necessarily in, important overall, but uh, he has good field vision. And the ball flies out of his hand. I mean, he throws like an NFL quarterback, and he was 19 when you saw him throwing the most often. Now, uh, with a year under his belt, I mean, they're, they're turning over the keys to, to a, a pretty strong kingdom. I don't think anybody would have thought legitimately San Francisco was going to go as far as they did and make it as competitive the way that they did. But it, it ended up being a, a pretty good football team. Maybe with, with better, more consistent quarterback play, they could have won that game. And Lance was brought in to do exactly that. I, I think he'll do pretty well. I, it, you know, a, a year of experience with the growth rate that he had as a player I mean, two games into his FCS career, it was obvious that it's like, this guy should be playing at a much better level than he is. And for him to continue to improve 
the way that he did throughout his only starting season to be the third overall pick and now to get a year um, of, of, of practice time really under Kyle Shanahan, I, I, I would like to think that that learning curve is going to continue to increase for him and he's going to be um, you're going to be impressed with the way that he can play next year. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see, but he's still a young player. Um, I have I have a lot of faith in him, though. I, I think he has the natural ability. I think he's smart enough to be able to put all of it together pretty quickly. I think he's going to be a, a, one of the better quarterbacks in the league next year. Okay. Very interesting, because I've never seen him play. Uh, you know, he played the one game. uh and usually when the FCS championship is on, I'm doing a game. Uh, it's basketball, but not football yeah. at that particular point. So I've never seen him play. And, you know, let's face it, I mean, the 49ers aren't being, um, you know, flown into my home. <laughs> you know, so, you know, preseason, last game of the season, whatever it may be. What about uh, the Juju Smith-Schuster? He came back on you know, on this one year. He did get hurt. Then, you know, he battled, uh, he battled back and got himself back into the lineup. Um, for the Kansas City playoff game, what's his future? Yeah, the thing with Juju that I thought was interesting last year is it, it looked to me like uh, Kevin Colbert spotted the opportunity for a bargain, and it really came down to uh, Juju's valuation being a lot lower than I think people would have expected it to be. I have heard from a couple people inside the league he's not – highly regarded as a player it has nothing to do with him dancing or anything like that it's he's fairly limited he's not a great athlete um he's a good athlete he's not a great receiver he's a good receiver i I feel like you can win with juju but at the point last year that we were discussing him going into free agency we were thinking 13 14 million dollars right in a, a, a down year for the cap he gets eight yeah, and that, that seems like maybe that was a little bit far, but maybe not. It, you know, it kind of depends on how you want to look at it. But uh, he didn't get a raise for sure this season. So my thought was maybe the Steelers brought him back on this one-year deal, convincing him that look, the market changed. You know, this is what you're getting everywhere else. We'll give you that on a one-year deal. This is where you're familiar. And in doing that, uh, setting up the uh, the void contract that they have with him, they have a, a dead cap hit coming because of that. They spread most of his salary was bonus, and they spread that out over five years. So they have to account for that next year if that contract voids, which I think it's going to in, in like five days after the Super Bowl or something like that. My thought was maybe what the Steelers want to do in kind of hedging their bet uh, in in signing him cheap was to keep that valuation in place uh, in the form of the dead money, but give him a five-year extension this season to mitigate the dead cap hit and then essentially get something like, um, I'm just throwing out hypothetical numbers, a a, a six-year contract for him somewhere around $48, $50 million dollars with basically no cap hit in the first two years of that. That's a pretty solid deal. I, I like to think going into this season, that was at least an option for the Steelers. Now, the fact that he wasn't doing a whole lot in a pretty bad offense without a whole lot of, of explosive ability, um, the fact that he you know tore up his shoulder pretty good on two carries, on the same drive, or maybe it was the first two drives against Denver, he, he got hurt running the football. You know, keep that in mind. He's your slot receiver. He's not exactly known for open field agility. 
um, I, I wouldn't think that Juju would want to sign back even if Pittsburgh was interested in that. Look at the way that he was used this year. It, it, if anything, he'll be lucky to get $8 million a year now entering free agency, and he might have to sign another one-year deal. Yeah. I, I think I'm not trying to blame the Steelers for a lot of that. I mean, Juju signed the contract. He had other opportunities. Um, he chose to come back. There's no reason he should have thought he was going to perform like he did in, in 2018. You know, he, he should have been uh, well aware of, of what his role was going to be and the amount of plays he was going to be in a position to make. So I think Pittsburgh might have thought maybe this was something we can do, but now I don't think Juju would want anything to do with the Matt Canada offense, considering the role they asked him to play last year. Mm-hmm. Even with a quarterback who might be able to get the ball down the field a little bit more, they're not going to ask Juju to do that. So uh, I, I would imagine, um, you know, maybe they, they discuss numbers, but Juju is always going to, to hit the market and kind of test what he's worth. Um, I'd imagine he could get another one, two year deal worth something like seven, eight, maybe nine million a year, but it, it, he's not going to get. Uh, a, 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 he's not going to get a better valuation on a multi-year deal, uh, three plus years, I should say, uh, from anywhere in the league. That would be my guess. So more than anything, I think he's probably going to sign another one-year contract and uh, play somewhere else and try to get a better opportunity than what he had in Pittsburgh at, at, uh, at the end of the year. I think his, I feel like his career has transitioned in terms of his ability as a player closer more to Cole Beasley. Good possession guy, moves the chains can block I think, I think his agent heard you say that that's painful um he would not yeah but it, i mean I, i'm not his agent i'm just objectively looking at the guy because yeah but that's what i because, mean because because sell. because possession guys are valuable guys in the league because they get your first downs that's not a cut on him i'm just saying that's what he is i mean look he's not cd lamb yeah, you're absolutely right. And that, that's the thing. I, I agree with you. Slot guys, possession guys are very valuable. And teams just don't pay them. They don't get money. In fact, they, now, now that you mentioned Cole Beasley, I think his valuation was probably around $7, 8000000 right. So exactly. it, it's not going to help Juju, especially considering he doesn't have that, that kind of you know, lateral agility that a, a much smaller player like Beasley would. Um, he's a combat catch guy, as, as Mike Tomlin would say. He's going to body up. Uh, whatever he gets down the scene, he's going to run ins, he's going to run skinny posts, slants, things like that. You want to have a guy like that. And on top of that, um, what hurts Juju financially is, as weird as this sounds, he's a really smart receiver. Yeah, you, you're, you're intelligent slot receivers are the best slot receivers for your offense. No doubt. They are calling out blitzes. They're picking up stuff. They're running hot to where the quarterback is going to roll to. Uh, there's a lot of value to a team to have a good veteran experienced slot receiver. They just don't get paid for whatever reason, and you know it wouldn't. We wouldn't have to work real hard to find five easy reasons why they don't get paid. Most of it is because you're not going 15 yards down the field to catch balls in traffic. You're not making big plays in the end zone, and you're not going to be a focal point in terms of targets. If you are, your team probably isn't doing very well. But you need them to have a full complement of offensive weapons. Juju is going to get stuck in that and again. I mean, you know that that seven eight million range. Um, it, it works for the market, I think. Uh, you just kind of thought that certainly with the beginning of his career, he would get more than that. And I'm sure his agent is going to be saying, I've never seen a player with the statistics that, you, that Juju Smith-Schuster has getting paid this amount of money. And that's the truth. <laughs> it's just really what it comes down to. Um, he's, he's kind of a weird market anomaly, and he's, he's going to fall into um, that, that slot range. And 
you know, four years, thirty million might be the best that he can do on a long term deal this offseason. We'll we'll see. I hope he invests it wisely. All right, um, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to imagine sitting there. This is how I understand the market. I, I've got that part. But four years, $30 million. I'm sorry, the average person out there is saying, like, wow, that's great. And and his agent, I'm not saying Juju, but his agent said, they go, well, that's terrible. <laughs> it's It doesn't quite match up with the average individual's reality. <laughs> Nope, and that, that's that's usually the problem, right? I mean, he might want whatever he wants, but um, he, he's got to have market support for it. And now it would just be a really weird conversation with his agent. His agent is going to come prepared with excuses as opposed to accolades. You know, he hasn't had a good season in a couple of years, yeah. and it, it's not Juju's fault. I mean, the injury part, you know, that, that'll have to come up in, in, in conversation, and that's a big part of the reason why – uh, he came back to, to play at the end to show that he's able to get out there. Um, but his numbers dropped off considerably with the absence of Antonio Brown, with the declining ability of Ben Roethlisberger, along with the presence of Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph, and potentially the, the involvement of offensive coordinators Randy Fickner and Matt Canada. One offensive coordinator was fired, the other one isn't exactly you know ringing the bell as far as as uh, success and production goes so you're going to go it, 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 with millions of dollars at stake your argument essentially is nothing has worked out for my clients at all in the last two se- right. last three seasons now right how much water does that hold i mean it's it's tough for them to make that argument again it, this is why i'm saying it's probably another one-year deal for him he's going to need to get somewhere they can throw the ball and is willing to throw in the ball. And that, that's that's a tough combination to get, um, considering the amount of money that he's probably going to want. You know, Kansas City wanted him last year. You know, would he have fit in there? I don't know. Maybe. I could see it for sure. Um, do they want him now? I don't know. He turned him down. You know, <laughs> you turned down the Chiefs offense to, to go play in Pittsburgh. I'm not sure that they're going to take too kindly to that. They might not want him back. Um, going to Baltimore? Does that look like a great passing situation to you? That was the other team that did offer him. Right. Uh, it, it, it's it's tough to see there being a market for him. I mean, somebody's going to pay him. The question is, how good is that team going to be? Are they going to be that much better than the Steelers? There, there's a direct correlation between the teams that have that money to spend in free agency and the quality of their team, in particular their offense, because it probably means they don't have a quarterback. So it, it's, it's tough. I mean, it, I could see it going either way, and really, I was kind of at that point last year, too. You're the GOAT. I don't care what anybody says. In fact, <laughs> in, fact, you, in fact, you know what? I hope you recorded this. You can play it back for your family. I'm going to. I'm going to. need to do that. I'm falling out of favor again. <laughs> That's okay. I've been there for decades. All right. <laughs> Thanks so much, Neil. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Neil Kulong. Actually, Matt... Suits the goat. There are a lot of people that look at him and they think he is a goat. All right, back with more. What? I was trying to be complimentary. So critical. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. 
When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. 